Hi, this is Roland Denzel with TheFitInc.com, and welcome to episode three of Eat Well, Move Well, our uh, podcast. I'm here with my wife, Galia Ivanova Denzel, and tonight we have a special guest. Elizabeth Hafer, Dr. Elizabeth Hafer. Hi, Liz. Hi. She's our good friend, and she is uh, our guest today because um, she is a Blair chiropractor, right? That's correct. And uh, we have a lot of uh, chiropractic is new to me, um, but I've been a patient of Dr. Hafer's for a couple months now, mm-hmm. and over time we decided to, uh, you know, I've I've felt a lot different. I felt really good uh, from the, the treatment that I've gotten from Liz. And we wanted to bring her on to talk a little bit about chiropractic in general and some of the, the misconceptions of chiropractic. And um, I don't know, we're, we're going to really get into it because I think there's a lot of things that people don't really understand about it, a lot of misconceptions, like I said earlier, and there's a lot of benefits to it that people aren't aware of. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of talking about that. Chiropractic's cool. I, I think Liz has opened a whole new world of uh, understanding chiropractic for me. Nice. So welcome, Liz. Thank you. I'm excited. And you can't help but be open to a whole new world when I'm around. <laughs> <laughs> She's that modest in person, too. <laughs> so before we before we get into uh, um, and giving you the third degree, we wanted to talk a little bit about, we have some questions from um, that we got through emails and from our other clients that they wanted us to talk about on the podcast. And um, what was our first question? Do you want me to ask you the first question? Sure. How do you guys eat so late and stay in shape? Oh, yes. Okay, so this is common because Golly and I, we sometimes post pictures and do things that I write on Facebook when we're eating. And, it's like 10.45 at night. Yeah, and we're responding to emails and say, we're, you know, tell people what we're eating at the same time or they call, somebody calls, oh, we're still eating and it's late at night. And uh, so, in fact, yesterday somebody said, um, asked me, I was meeting with him at um, about 7 o'clock, and he said, oh, what did you have for dinner? And I said, well, I haven't had dinner. We haven't started to make it yet. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry to keep you from dinner. And I said, well, we don't eat until like 9 o'clock, so... Yeah, so, and th- you know. that's my that's my uh, detrimental Eastern European influence on you. Yes, well, but even then, before that, I pretty late as well before 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 Galia. Okay, so I have this whole theory that part of the reason why Americans um, weigh a little bit more than people in other parts of the world is because they eat so early. So dinner here is six or six thirty, right? Mm-hmm. And so then most people don't go to bed till eleven. Yeah. So there's plenty of time to get hungry and eat again. Yeah. So you end up having two dinners, and or, that's extra or a dinner and a, a huge dessert. Well, that's just extra calories. Yeah. So what are you going to do after you eat at six thirty? What active thing are you going to do? Not much. You're going to be pretty much not active for the next few hours. The remote control. Remote or write homework with your kids, which doesn't expend a lot of calories. Yeah. And so then you go and eat. Even if it's a healthy snack, it's still calories you don't need. Yeah. So just to give you guys a little bit of a background about our whole day is we typically don't eat breakfast as as soon as we wake up in the morning either. So people say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and you can argue that either way, but there's no reason to to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock in the morning and immediately go to the kitchen and eat breakfast. So... 
we stretch that out a little bit and then you stretch out your lunch a little bit and then you maybe have a snack or um, something to eat before we work out in the after work and then after we train that's typically when we eat and it does a couple things like I said keeps us from eating again because <laughs> we've eaten like five o'clock oh we're so hungry let's just eat dinner now six o'clock and then like at nine or ten o'clock we're like oh I'm so time hungry. for second that's dinner time for dinner yeah and that's just not going to work so it works pretty well so it's not that unusual and there, it's a myth that you 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 shouldn't eat after seven o'clock well and six o'clock or yeah. eight o'clock or any time a lot of people say like I want to lose weight, so I'm going to stop eating after six. Or my brother lost weight after he stopped eating after six. Well, guess what? Most people eat most of their calories after six. So if you stop eating after six, here you are cutting out a good thousand calories a day. Of course, you're going to lose weight. And you go into intermittent fasting. So you're going to do a good 12 to 16 hours of fast if you stop eating at six o'clock. We'd really lose a lot of weight if we stopped eating at six. <laughs> yeah, we'll be we'll be like we'll disappear because it's not because between six and nine or six in bed is not extra food. And a lot Plus, of this, that's our dinner, so. a lot of this kind of works with your schedule because I've had clients that start work at seven thirty in the morning. Their first chance to eat will be one or two o'clock. So if they don't eat a good breakfast, they won't have a chance to eat because they work in an office or they're a doctor. Like Liz, do you have time to eat once you start seeing your patients? Absolutely not. Yeah, so she's got to eat before she goes to work or she's not going to have a chance to eat you and i have jobs where i can choose when to eat because I, I pretty much have you know gaps between clients or gaps between conversations and my eating breakfast takes like five or ten minutes it's not a big deal but if you're at a doctor's office you eat in five or ten minutes we'll talk about this later <laughs> <laughs> slow down I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I've been working on chewing more, so hopefully. That's one thing when you eat a little bit less carbs, you don't get punished for not chewing much because, you know, protein kind of just kind of digests itself and fat. One of my clients yesterday asked me, what can I, or day before yesterday, what can I eat? I only have five minutes in between clients. What can I eat in five minutes? Um, Can I eat chili? Can I eat. Like stew, I can, dude. You still gotta chew those things. I mean, it's not gonna—you can't just swallow unless you blend it. You know, blended blend chili, mm, chili smoothie. So you know, in that case, if you really only have five minutes, you have to have like some sort of a healthy it's, shake or something. It's gotta really, be a shake and really make it count. Yeah. Because if it's you're not if you chew even something like a piece of cheese like twice and then swallow it, you're really not doing yourself any good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> There's no time for digestive enzymes to kick in, and you know. Okay, so I guess that kind of answers the question of, you know, why do we eat so late and how do we still stay in shape? But it doesn't matter. As long as your calories work out for the 24-hour period with your activity. Exactly. And let me just say that where the one, the myth there is that when you eat after a certain time, that there's not enough time for your body to burn the calories and then it's immediately going to go to fat at night. And that's just, that's just not true. Your body doesn't work on such a short time frame. Your body digests these things, puts them into your bloodstream, stores them in temporary storage, and then uses over them over a longer period of time. So if you are, it's, it's, it's the amount of calories you burn versus take in over any given amount of time that's important, not 
between the hours of seven and, yeah. and, and the time you wake up in the morning. So. And, and everything we teach is, you know, make your plan work with your schedule and with your lifestyle and you're going to be able to stick with it. If you come up with all these crazy ideas like, oh, I'm not going to eat after six o'clock, then you might become kind of antisocial and then, you know, get overly stressed out because you can't share meals with other people and then get fat because you're stressed out. So it doesn't work that way. Some, pe- some people will wake up at three o'clock in the morning if they don't have or some sort of a snack or something mm. at night. If they eat at 6 and they don't go to bed till 11, then they're going to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. That's, you know, 12 hours. And for some people, it's uh, too long to go without food. Yeah. So I hope that answers it. And if you guys have any questions specifically regarding your own schedule and how to handle things, just shoot us an email or um, comment on our blog or come to the Facebook page and just comment there. And we'll, we'll try to answer your own specific question. Next. Next is, um, what is wrong with you, Roland? Why are you doing a detox? Mm. Have you lost your mind? Yes, well, I wrote a blog post about this on Monday, and... It's getting more hits than my peach ricotta in a jar cheesecake recipe, so you must be popular with your detox. I am. Well, detox is popular on the internet, right? It seems like so. it gets people thinking, like, ooh! detox but the truth is i don't i'm not really i don't think i need to detox anything in particular but it's more of a but there's really no good name for it there's like a super strict diet you can call it clean eating i like reset 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 yeah that's it's so it's basically it's a period of time where i'm being strict with myself i've chosen foods that i think are the healthiest foods and i've eliminated the extras so um, <clears throat> we'll post a link to it on the, the show notes for this mm-hmm. podcast if you want to read the article and you can see the rules. It's pretty simple. It's you know, a list of the things I am eating, the list of the things that I'm not eating. It looks like a paleo diet. It is. It is basically the paleo diet. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm not saying the paleo diet's the perfect diet for everybody, but I think it's for me. It's the the minimum. The minimum. It's the healthiest choice for me. I guess it's the it's basically what I need to be healthy and there's there's extra stuff that's not going to hurt me um but um i think this stuff's really uh keeping me keeping me going and i feel pretty good i've noticed a couple of things we we tend to eat extras um like it's persimmon season right now somebody just gave us like like, like 10 we have 10 pounds of persimmons that you know somebody gave us right at the wrong time yes so we're going to dehydrate them and dehydrate her but we have these foods that we love and like everybody else we we tend to eat a little bit more of them than we need so we end up getting more sugar or more dairy one day and then you know after a while you see that every day you're eating three persimmons and more yogurt than you need so it it yes. kind of gets heavy on fruit and dairy for us so those are the two things which yeah, kind of for me i think fruit is pretty healthy and like things like cheese and yogurt are pretty healthy but like if I'm staying up late working on something, trying to get something done, I start to get hungry and I look in the refrigerator for yogurt or I eat another persimmon or more apple. And, and you know, it's like, it's not that, it, that, not that these foods are bad or nuts. Like if we have a big bag of nuts around the house, I'll start eating those. And they almost never fill me up. They don't really satisfy me at night. It's just, I want something to eat. So this has been a good lesson because I still go over to the kitchen later <laughs> There's night. nothing there. They'll see it happen later. But um, tonight, all there's going to be is um, the leftover um, trout <laughs> 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 yeah. for dinner. It's, we got a trout, too big of a trout. 
The and smallest trout in America is the biggest trout in Europe. Yeah, two pounds of trout, <laughs> a two-pound trout over there that we're cooking for St. Nicholas Day in, yeah. in Bulgaria. It, it's huge. Yeah. So one thing that I've started noticing is, um, you know, there's not, not many things on a strict paleo diet that you can eat for fun. And we're not doing the paleo desserts and the paleo cookies and the paleo bread. We're pretty much eating just what our ancestors would have eaten if they had access to a slow cooker, yes, <laughs> and we're um, cooking our food, we're, we're not just on a on a metal on a wooden spit. Yeah, we're we're still you know being pretty normal about it, but we have get gotten rid of all the extras. So when you're not eating food because just because it tastes good, you eat food because you're hungry. Like this morning, I had beef soup for breakfast, and I'm like, oh, soup is what's for breakfast, but I'm hungry, and there's nothing else that's you know pretty much in my plan so that's what i'm gonna have and it was satisfying that soup i had half an avocado it was pretty awesome it was delicious bone broth and some turnip and zucchini i came home and i was really hungry so i had sausage and sauerkraut yeah it was pretty cool that's good so we're um we're not gonna uh, dwindle and uh I don't know, get get too lean from this, but hopefully we're going to be a little bit more disciplined and have a little bit more respect for... I think that's the biggest thing for me is the discipline because I just let things slide over time and every once in a while getting a little strict for a Like gluten-free beer? Ooh, I'm doing this gluten-free I beer review. Must be healthy. Mm, Here are these healthy. 11 gluten-free oh, beers. I have I hope, to review them. I hope I can find some more gluten-free beers because then I can <laughs> review those too. Yeah, um, or uh, how many how many things of kombucha can we buy from the store while we're collecting the bottles to start making to our, our own kombucha, kombucha and start filling those up? Yeah, yeah that's uh, we're probably a hundred dollars into these little empty bottles of kombucha. We still haven't started making our own. <laughs> so that's it uh, about the detox. We're not you know going crazy with it. It's just up till Christmas just to get a little bit of a handle on on our own dieting. So we're not eating for fun. We're just eating because we gotta eat. And then some news for this weekend. This Saturday we're doing a cooking event for um, our friend Jeff uh, up in Costa Mesa. And we're very excited. We're going to see some of his athletic clients. And um, he's an athletic trainer. And uh, hopefully teach them a little bit about how to prepare healthier food and cook more at home. Because cooking at home and more homemade meals is at the base of uh, being successful long term. Yeah, and Jeff's really cool. His clients... um he teaches. Uh, he's like uh, he's like an athletic trainer for people who play tennis and other sports, both at like a high, you know, like a, as a hobby, but also like kids who are um, in high school and that are you know going for scholarships and like really high level, really high level. So he works with the coaches to uh, with the, the sports coaches develop these programs so what i think by teaching some of his clients some really good cooking techniques they're going to be able to take it home to their kids who also are find uh, you know who need to really concentrate on nutrition to be the best at their game so it should be pretty cool that's very neat uh, roland wanted to share with you uh, our one pot three meals recipe that we're going to do with them and it's basically a super simple idea. You you take a crock pot and you, you cook a bunch of meat in it. And then what do you do with it? Well, I can, the, what we're going to do on Saturday, we're going to use uh, pork roast. So we're going to get a pork roast. And we'll start it off with, um, it, it's pretty simple. It's going to be simmered all day with some citrus fruit and some spices, you know, cumin, or, um, oregano, um, and uh, maybe some like um, mild sort of sweet paprika, something like that. 
and it just gives it a pretty mild sort of sort of a lightly Mexican flavor. Certainly not an authentic Mexican recipe, um, but then you can use it the first night as a, like a pork roast. Slice it up or cut it into chunks. Then you, we're going to make like a three or four, like typically for the family, we'd make a three or four pound um, pork roast. And the first night, you know, there's you know three or four of us that might eat it. That's, you know, a good chunk of it right there is a pork roast with maybe some vegetables. And then the next night, um, I like to shred some of it up and you reheat it as carnitas. So you shred it up, you can put it in the broiler, give it some like, crispy ends, and then you have a really nice carnitas. Either as my kids love carnitas tacos, so you can, tacos are super simple to make. And they'll eat the vegetables alongside of it, so we do some sort of like a little chopped salad. Um, cucumbers and tomatoes and peppers and avocado is like sort of a dressing it's really good and then we still have the broth because we make it in the slow cooker we make it with a really um, with a lot of broth so then on night three it doesn't have to be night three in a row but on night three um, usually my, my family really likes pozole so that's a Mexican pork stew with hominy and, and a bunch of vegetables and uh, that's really popular. And it's really simple because hominy, just, you know, you, you, the pork is done. You, re, you reheat the broth and um, just add in uh, whatever vegetables you want and then put in the, the pork and the hominy there at the end and you're good to go. Yeah, it's nice very neat yeah. because y you don't waste any of your precious family time cooking. It's yeah. like a 10-minute recipe once you've done the slow cooker meat. And um, for those of, um, of you listening... Uh, in countries where you don't have any crockpots, look around because they're they're starting to import them all over. Bulgaria has a, a pretty serious following of crockpot users right now. So, those of our listeners that are there, look for them on Facebook. It's called Crockpot Bulgaria, and you'll be able to get one of those amazing slow cookers where you can make those things. Okay, enough about us and the Q and A and the detox and why we eat so late. Let's go back to the meat of our uh, <laughs> of our episode three. And um, that's having Liz do most of the talking. So you're on. Okay. You're on. Uh, go ahead and just introduce yourself and, and tell us about who you are. We're the same age, so yay, yay! I'm actually older by a few months. A few months. Well, I'm way older. But um, you're the youngest, most amazing doctor I know. Oh, good. That's awesome. So I am Dr. Elizabeth Hafer. I go by Liz, and um, I am a Blair Upper Cervical Chiropractor. I went to chiropractic college in Davenport, Iowa, which is where I am from, and uh, I was in chiropractic college, um, and I was a year away from graduating, and I was terrified of uh, getting out of school and not being able to um, convince people that chiropractic is something that they needed to invest in. And it wasn't because I didn't think chiropractic was awesome. I did. It just didn't help me, and so it's hard for me to sell something or be enthusiastic about something that I haven't personally benefited from. Uh, so one year before I graduated chiropractic college, um, I had been introduced to this thing called Blair Upper Cervical Chiropractic. And to be honest, I was a skeptic. Uh, but, you know, the backstory is that I had suffered from uh, pretty debilitating depression suicidal thoughts for 13 years and at the time I was 27 years old so that's, that's a lot of years of my life and uh, it was it was becoming pretty uh, intolerable 
Uh, I wasn't able to get out of bed. I was really struggling as a single mom, raising my daughter, working the three part-time jobs that I worked as I went to school full-time. There was a lot of things on my plate, and um, the depression was just really just kind of wreaking havoc in my life. And some of my friends at chiropractic college um, were kind of watching the progression and the, the sort of demise of my career, if you will, before it even began. And I was even considering kind of getting back on uh, psychotropic medication. It hadn't worked before, by the way, um, before 10 years ago, but I thought, there's nothing else. I've tried it all. Uh, I've tried nutrition. I've tried um, regular chiropractic. I've tried counseling, and nothing was helping. So they uh, asked me to at least give this Blair uh, upper cervical thing a shot, and I was really hesitant, but I said, you know, I have nothing to lose. And I was, like I said, I was a skeptic. I didn't believe that just moving the atlas, which is the first bone at the top of your neck, could make any difference. So I, I unwillingly, or I guess willingly, went to the clinic and had uh, a student of, uh, a fellow student of mine do an intake, take some x-rays, and on October 27th, 2007, I had my first Blair correction, and um, on the table, my mind was healed. I didn't oh, wow. have depression anymore. I got off the table, and I was healed. I didn't want to kill myself. I had hope for the first time in my life. And immediately I knew that I had to do this because this is the thing that was going to change the world. Wow. So let's take a step back because maybe people don't know anything about chiropractic. Right. So what's the difference between regular chiropractic and Blair chiropractic? Well, I think we should start with what is regular chiropractic, okay. right? Because if you don't have an understanding about the the philosophy of chiropractic, it's going to be hard to make the transition to um, Blair. So chiropractic is a, is a science, it's a philosophy, and it's an art that basically says that our bodies have an inborn ability to heal itself. And if you allow the innate intelligence or the inborn ability for your body to heal itself to be expressed better, you're going to be healthier. And what chiropractors do is they assess that ability through looking at the spine And I say I use the spine as my portal of entry into your health. So medical doctors use medication and surgery. Um, homeopathic doctors use homeopathic remedies and herbs. And acupuncture uses energy. Chiropractor use the spine as a portal of entry into your health. And what our job is, is to make sure that your nervous system is functioning 100%. Because your brain is the master control for your body. And if your brain isn't connected to every single tissue, cell, organ, um, body part, it's not going to function the way that it's supposed to. Okay, so you have the brain, you have the spine, and then all these nerves that come out from the spine. Correct. And they end up in different organs and right. different parts of the body. Exactly. So by working on the spine, you make sure that those nerves are properly giving the signals from the brain to the rest of the body. Right, because okay. the spine, um, the skull and the spine surround, that's like the hard tissue that surrounds the soft tissue, which is the central nervous system. So your brain is encased in your skull. It exits the base of your skull, and then it comes out into your neck. And then you have vertebra in your neck. You have a cervical spine, which is your neck, a thoracic spine, which is your mid-back, and you have a lumbar spine, which is your low back. And you have vertebra um, that surround the spinal cord and the nerve roots that come off of the spinal cord. So it's kind of like the house that protects this really vital system called the nervous system. And if if the structure or the bony formation 
gets misaligned, it can irritate the sensitive nature of the nervous system. And if it's irritated, it's not going to transmit energy or rather information the way that it's supposed to. Okay. So you, you kind of need to make sure that this bony outside casing is in its place. That's exactly right. Okay. And you do, you, you assess, you find if something is out of place and then put it back in place. Basically, that's what we do. Yeah. And is this something that hurts? Well, like for the people Blair, that haven't experienced the Blair it? chiropractic uh, method traditionally doesn't hurt because we're very specific about what we're doing. Um, in general, chiropractic is a very non-invasive application, mm. and um, you know, done properly, you don't really feel anything but good effects from it. Some people come in, and and we'll get into this a little later with like what would make you want to come see a chiropractor. But if you have a neck spasm, um, more than likely there's an irritation to the nerve that's that's telling that muscle what to do and so touching that muscle may be a little tender but when you get the adjustment done the muscle immediately relaxes because mm -hmm. the nervous system information has been re-established yeah that's very cool i've actually seen uh roland as your patient laying on your table with you know a spasming mid-back and one second it feels as hard as rock and three seconds later it's soft and, right. and manageable like right. a loaf of bread and yeah it's amazing to and it's my back you're talking about yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not soft like a loaf of bread <laughs> it's strong and manly yes. but it's properly it's like, toned. like ezekiel bread <laughs> not tough and chewy it's properly toned. Yes. yeah definitely so what's the difference between regular chiropractic that works with this whole spine and Blair chiropractic. And we say regular and Blair. Is there a name? That you, like, is it just chiropractic? Yeah, I mean, chiropractic, the funny thing about chiropractic is there's as many techniques as there are chiropractors because everybody's going to learn how to do something and then make it their own. So even within Blair, there's a set of standards and there's a set of rules, but my hands aren't the same size as the chiropractor that does Blair in the city up the road. So I'm going to have a different application as far as that goes. Um, the basic understanding and how we move the bone and what we're looking for and what x-rays we're studying to get that information is the same. But obviously the art form, remember it's mm -hmm. a philosophy, a science, and an art. The art form, the application of the adjustment is as different as every chiropractor that exists. But within chiropractic, there there's hundreds of different techniques. The Blair upper cervical specific is one technique within this this world called upper cervical. Um, so in general, we look at the upper cervical spine and uh, we're talking about the top of your neck right below your skull, the very first two bones in your neck. The first one is called the atlas. The second one is called the axis. And then every vertebra below that is just the number that it is. So C3 would be right below C2 and, and no, C4 below C3. Um, and then just gets numbered that way. Um, so uh, chiropractic, full spine chiropractic or general chiropractic, chiropractors are manipulating the spine, you know, all the way up and down. And Blair specific is really concentrating on the top of your neck. Okay. So when I first met you, it kind of dawned on me that without Blair, the rest of chiropractic wouldn't achieve as good of a result because Blair is kind of where it starts and then it moves to the rest of the spine. Because if you adjust the kind of the entry port of the nervous system, then the rest could just flow. Right. It's like such a simple concept, but there's debate amongst, you know, the yeah. chiropractic world where, well, maybe it's the pelvis and the sacrum, and that's where there's this technique called Gonstead, and they base everything on, is your pelvis level 
or parallel to the ground. And the interesting thing is, the more I study the upper cervical work, the more I understand that everything is connected to everything. So it isn't just about the atlas. It's also about how that person's relating that correction in space. And it's a symbiotic relationship with the pelvis and the sacrum. So everything has to be taken accounted for and everything has to be evaluated, um, the mode of application definitely should always start with the top because like you were saying, that's where the initial connection point between your brain and the rest of your body happens. And if there's a disconnect at the beginning, you can imagine that there's not going to be much information or hope for something at the end chain, right? Yeah. Something that I see with my practice in restorative exercises, <clears throat> your, your biggest issues usually come from the head because if something's wrong in your neck and if your head cannot be straight then your brain always makes your head straight exactly that reflex to keep your eyes level with the horizon right and it's going to keep your head straight no matter what kind of crookedness it has to create to the rest of the body that's exactly right so i can see how scoliosis could start from you know an upper cervical issue absolutely or how you know any sort of hyperkyphosis or hyperlordosis or any an even pelvis that we see because once your head is not straight and your brain makes it be straight then you have to compensate that's somewhere. exactly right and that's why um, we look at um, the relationship between the head and um, the neck first and foremost because as you just got done explaining the the rest of your spine is going to compensate to what the head mm -hmm. is doing mm -hmm. you were just describing the writing reflex one of the many reflexes that the brain has um, in order to keep your head level with the horizon if you walked around with your head tilted to the right you'd get dizzy very quickly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um your body compensates to that and that is where scoliosis starts that is where knees and ankles and hips start to degenerate and I use this analogy with my patients all the time I talk about tires on a car and how if they're not properly aligned one tire wears out quickly and then the entire uh, chain of command and the wheel and all the drive shaft and everything gets messed up because one tire is out of alignment yeah. so the exact same thing happens with the bones in your back the discs in your back and all of the joints and muscles and ligaments associated with all of those things that's very cool um we wanted you to share some i, I hate to call them success stories but some inspiring stories from your practice mm -hmm. um where people normally wouldn't expect those cases to get better because in, in america I, I find that people say oh my back is out mm -hmm. i'm gonna go see a chiropractor mm -hmm. or my back hurts or my knee hurts it's usually something musculoskeletal that right. people talk about. Right. And as a chiropractic profession, we've done a, a really good job at making people think that if you have neck pain, back pain, or a headache, chiropractors are who you need to go see. Um, and obviously, we have success with it. And there's a lot of studies out there that show that, like, low back pain is and people that are off work from low back pain get significantly better faster with a chiropractor than doing just physical therapy or taking a, a muscle relaxant or even you know going as far as having back surgery um, so obviously the traditional things like headaches and back pain and neck pain those are all things that on a daily basis we see and it's interesting because a lot of the patients that come in have low back pain, their necks feel fine, we do an evaluation, we find that they have an upper cervical misalignment, we adjust their neck, we don't adjust their low back, and their low back gets better. And that's that whole compensation theory. So we get their head on straight, and that's what I tease them, I said, you're going to walk out here with your head on straight, and then their low backs start to feel better because their pelvis then untwists and untorques and aligns itself up to the proper position. 
Um, but cool. I have some really neat stories. I was thinking about some things um, that I wanted to share that maybe would intrigue listeners to think about if, um, you know, outside of the box a little bit. And uh, so I have, a, I have a couple of stories, and they're kind of fun, and it's neat because I take care of people literally from the minute they're born until... You know, they're 95. I think my oldest patient's been 97. It's been, it's pretty neat. That is so neat. Yeah. Almost so, a centenarian. Yeah, it's really cool. So I wanted to share with you first, uh, just yesterday actually, I was at the office and I had a family come in that have been regular patients for a while, have had phenomenal success, but she brought her four-month-old son in to see me because he has um, a condition called torticollis, and it's basically where there's this contracture of the sternocleidomastoid muscle. And his head was stuck to the left to the point where he couldn't turn his head at all one way or the other, and the side of his head was actually deforming because he couldn't pick his head up off of his crib or his car seat. And they'd taken the baby to medical doctors, and they were to the point where they were getting ready to put a helmet on the baby because they didn't want his head to be deformed because it affects your brain. If, you're, if your head's in this critical forming stage and your brain's being smashed um, one side, it's going to affect development. And also, they were thinking about doing surgery to cut the SEM muscle so that it wouldn't be contracted and then they could do some therapy to make the head straight. Um, so I was introduced to this little guy and his parents just were so excited to have me do an evaluation on him. And I did um, a couple of different tests. I did a nervous system scan. I did a a thermographic heat reading. I did some palpation. And I was able to get him adjusted. And within 10 seconds, the baby's neck was no longer spasmed. He could hold his head up straight. He started looking to the right and to the left. He was giggling uncontrollably. It was so so cool. cool. And um, his mom was like shocked and almost crying because for four months her son has been suffering and she not only was he you know irritated with this neck issue but he has chronic vomiting and he was just kind of an upset little guy within 10 seconds his life changed it's amazing i got the opportunity to talk to them today and his head's completely straight and they've already noticed a significant difference with this baby and and it's just so powerful. We we literally just removed the nervous system interference from his brain to the rest of his body, and his body responded in a normal way. So what would make a little guy get you know, That was what I was going to ask. Like, I mean, four months old, yeah. there's not a lot of... Exactly, there's not a lot of so life a history. Football that he played. Yeah, yeah, he's, he not, wasn't, he's not spending too much time on the computer. Exactly, and so this is why a health history is critical, and... I'm very adamant about finding out about birth. And it turns out he was born um, with the help of a vacuum extraction. Okay. And, um, you know, this country is, you know, you, you hear the stories about um, birthing, and it's like three out of ten babies are getting born cesarean section. And the doctors and the nurses don't have the patience to let the woman labor naturally, so they, um, and, you know, give mm-hmm. them Pitocin and different drugs to make the labor go quicker. And that puts a detriment and a stress on the mother and the baby. And then all of a sudden things aren't cooperating or going the way that they want it to in a, in a timely fashion. So then they start taking out things like forceps and vacuums and all kinds of things to assist the birth that could be naturally you know, done. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, he was born with a, a, a vacuum extraction. And so from birth, he had a birth trauma. And it wasn't like outward where he was crying like colicky, but he did have this reflux and he had this torticollis, and the medical doctors didn't even consider that as an so as an So when irritant. did the torti- torticollis, when did that first appear 
Like, they, when did they notice They it? knew, like, the second day when they were leaving the hospital. So was it sort of like, okay, something either during birth or during, maybe while he was developing inside his mother or during the birth process or whatever, there was some almost like, almost like an injury and then mm-hmm. there was like a, some sort of, like, nerve, like a almost like a strain or something like that and then it causes like the muscle to cramp up which causes your your development in a, in a strange way like yeah swelling or yeah something. well and i mean think about it if you're no if, if they're like hooking up a, a, a vacuum to the baby's head and, and yanking the baby out to help kind of pull it out and do, during the delivery process that entire cervical spine is being stretched who and invented this thing? I, I don't know. It's been around for a long time. Probably so. from, you know, the, the time of the Second World War. Yeah, when idea. they started like knocking. Literally, that's what it looks like. And they, scary. It is really scary. And so, um, and they say, oh, I had a natural birth. I, I had an epidural. I had Pitocin. And they used a vacuum to get my baby out. But I gave birth <laughs> vaginally, so it was natural. <clears throat> so we have to redefine what, what we understand. Yeah. And yeah. I could go into a whole, on a whole other topic. We of, should have a whole podcast talking about <laughs> births. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, that was his, that was his trauma. Um, and uh, so that we got that little guy fixed. I'm excited to see his head return so to a normal, you know, shape. The next shape. time we have you, we're going to ask for an update. Yes. So um, another another one, again, it was a six-month-old little girl. Um, she had gone to PT. She, again, had torticollis. She had gone to PT three times a week for six months. No change whatsoever. Um, the mom had been a regular patient, and she had asked the PT, can I take my daughter to the chiropractor? I don't really know why she thought she needed to ask permission, but she did. And they were like, well, I don't think it's going to help, but you can try. And I, I adjusted this little girl, and the next day her head went straight. The mom took the daughter back to PT, and they were shocked. That's and, amazing. If I know, were that PT, I would totally come and want a meeting. Right, and it's not like that I have anything against PT. I refer patients to PT. I refer patients to Galia. I refer patients to uh, people that do work that I don't do um, because that's their area of expertise. But without neural integrity, without nervous system integrity, all the exercise and all of the PT in the world isn't going to make that muscle stay fixed. So it's about having that connection, that brain-body connection. So that's what we did for these two little babies, and it's oh, pretty so incredible. That's so neat, especially with somebody so young. Yeah, I know. It's so awesome. And so people kind of get freaked out. They look at me because I'm, you know, I'm a kind of aggressive. I ask, like, why aren't you bringing your kids in here? If you, It's good enough for you. Don't you think it's good enough for your children? And they look at me like, well, why would I need to bring my kid in? And I said, well... If their little bodies are developing, I mean, don't you want to prevent them from having the issue that you're having like 10, 15, 20 years from now? So they they get it that way. And it's so neat to see the lights turn on for the parents, for them to get that how important it is for their little child to not have to needlessly suffer. And then when they get that correction and the baby's a completely different baby on every level, it's just so neat to see how that bonding can occur between the parent and the child with them connected. That's very neat. So that's those two stories. That was exciting. Um, I have a really interesting story about a woman who just turned 75. Um, She was a severe asthmatic. She has actually been taking some pretty heavy medications and been on an inhaler every day for 50 years. And uh, she came in and her posture was completely distorted. One of the things that I do in my analysis is I do a posture analysis where I'm measuring how their pelvis is relating to the ground, how their shoulders are relating to the ground, and how her head um, is relating to her the ground, and how it looks, you know, together too. So I put them up on strings and I measure her, and she's got a really distorted posture, and she's heaving like 
The top of her lungs are like gasping for breath every minute of the day, even with the help of these medications that she's been on for 50 years. Um, I do a, a, a solid neurological exam, physical exam. I get her health history and uh, do some x-rays. We get her adjusted and like the next day she calls the office and says, what did you do to me? I don't have to use my asthma medication anymore. I can breathe normally for the first time in my life. And I was like, okay. So I I have You're a... Like, That's cool. I know. And I mean, I expect it because it's just so awesome to know that once your brain is connected to your body, your brain is the master control. I always tell people the best doctor that you know is the doctor inside of you, the one that was given to us. Yeah, <laughs> Our bodies funny. were designed to be healthy and whole and be, take care of itself. And so only when there's an interference is there an issue. So we don't necessarily need help. We just don't need any interference. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So um, we got her corrected, and she has had only one adjustment, and it's been three months now. Um, she turned 75 in the meantime, and this is the best she's felt in years. And she's just so happy. She comes in with a huge grin on her face every day. And she was depressed and sad because she couldn't walk anymore. She couldn't do it, the activities that she loved to do because her breathing was so labored all of the time. So it's it's pretty exciting. That was a really neat story. And so there you go, a, a four-month-old to a 75-year-old. And I would never think that anybody says, oh, I'm having trouble breathing, let me go to a chiropractor. Right. But think about it. Your, your breathing center originates in your brainstem. And the atlas, the very first bone in your neck, literally surrounds part of the brainstem. So if that bone is stuck in a position that isn't, you know, proper... It's going to irritate something, and for her, it was her breathing center. For that little baby, it was his SCM muscle. So, um, at the very least, if, if you have some sort of a like, a, let's say asthma is also influenced by particles and allergies, right. particles in the air, Absolutely. food reading, things like that. Having nerve integrity, integrity, or right, well, or right. whatever, to that area allows your body to. Um, um, what is the like epinephrine to release nor is it norepinephrine whatever you know um, yeah. adrenaline there we go adrenaline to which is what you have in those inhalers yeah basically it's the right. same kind of a it's, thing yeah you're you're injecting a synthetic kind of stimulant right yeah. and so your so body can produce, your body a lot can of those produce it and around. you're not albuterol in you know deficit when know. you're born <laughs> um, you develop these symptoms because you don't have nervous system yeah. function your body your, your body does not have the ability to release the things that it needs to stop exactly. that asthma attack from happening. Exactly. So with that correction, we didn't we didn't adjust her mid back. We didn't um, do anything to her lungs. I didn't tell her to stop taking medication. I gave her an upper cervical correction at her atlas, and you know the next day she didn't have to use her medication. She mm. noticed a difference, and it's just neat to see that even though she'd been you know essentially stuck to this thing for fifty years. That's a long time. Yeah. Well, you said something interesting in there, which is leads to the the misconceptions that we wanted to talk about right, as well. Right. Right. You said she only had the like. You said three months later. Yeah. Or yeah. She's been under care for twelve weeks. Twelve weeks, and she's only had that one adjustment. Right. Right. Now you've seen her other yes, times, right? But absolutely. you haven't had to do another adjustment. That's so you've correct. seen her to make sure things are still in order uh-huh. and things are holding. Right. But talk to me about is the the. Misconception. A lot of people believe mm-hmm. that, including myself, mm-hmm. before I met you, mm-hmm. was that if you went to a chiropractor, 
you know, it's a temporary relief. Right. And you're going to, because I have friends that went to chiropractors all the time. And right. Still do. Yeah. And they go to, they have a standing appointment with a chiropractor. <laughs> I have clients that are like, once oh, a month, once um, a month, once every two weeks, once every two weeks. Right. Dr. So-and-so has been my chiropractor for 25 years. Yes. I see him every two weeks. Yeah. You and know? I mean, I, I love to see my patients every two weeks. I just don't want to have to adjust them every two weeks <laughs> because um, holding is healing. If you get anything out of this podcast, understand that holding your adjustment means you're going to heal. When you create stability, you're going to have better structure and structure dictates function. And there may be very good reasons. Like there may be a reason, like I have a friend who had a back injury, mm-hmm. right? So he has a, some sort of structural damage. Sure. So maybe he does need to see a chiropractor and get adjusted more regularly right. because he had something is actually damaged right. there. But the type of things you're talking about, it yeah, it's, your body to it's different. Absolutely. Your body is a self-healing organism and it can heal itself if given the proper opportunity. So um, the work that I do, I would like to just do one adjustment on you and never have to repeat it. That would be like the goal every single time I engineer a correction. And we can get into that in a minute about the specifics of Blair and like how every um, thing, how it's different. When I engineer a correction, I am thinking in my head, I only want to have to do this once. And then I want you to come back and visit me and let me check to make sure that your nervous system's functioning 100%. And that's the idea behind having you come in once a week in the beginning and then once every two weeks and then once a month. Um, I generally don't let people get out of my sight for more than, you know, 12 weeks at a time, 16 weeks at max. I mean, we have people that fly from Dubai and China and Thailand and they can't come every two weeks. So we do the best we can while they're here. But if they're going to to fly from Dubai obviously they're getting some kind of result so <laughs> so yeah we don't have to adjust every time because the the adjustment that we we engineer is like a fingerprint um, just between the atlas and the axis there's a little there's over 10 million different misalignments that can occur with all the different uh, ways to, that it can be fixed and all the different ways that can it can go out of alignment with the degrees and the different angles that we use to analyze the spine so it's almost like creating a fingerprint for that person and then and then when we deliver that correction you know my intent is to give the best correction at that moment set it and leave it alone so that their body can take over and do the work because their brain like I said their brain knows exactly what the body needs at all times and it's going to go and work on things in the proper time when it deems necessary all I'm doing is removing the interference so that that innate intelligence can express itself I really like that and that reminds me of um I was going to ask you to explain to everybody because it's so interesting how when you go to a chiropractor, they usually say, well, you're subluxated. Yeah. And what that means. Right. Is that a a nerve problem, a a bone problem, a ligament problem? What is a subluxation? A subluxation. Well, my definition um, of a subluxation is it's irritation to the vertebra creating a disconnect between brain-body communication. That's like the technical definition. But I also have kind of more of a philosophical definition that I like to have people understand because um, chiropractic, it's a a lifestyle. Um, It's definitely a way of life. Like you can, you know, just go to a chiropractor like you go to a, you know, a, a medical doctor and just get an adjustment and get that quick fix and anything can become sort of like religious. But, um... The type of work that I do, I want people to understand, you know, maybe on a like a like a higher level. So, so the the root word is lux, and that means light, right? And sub means less than, and asian is a condition of. So the word subluxation literally translates to not being able to express the light that you've been given 
as effectively as you as you can. So, you know, we're mind, body, and spirit. And, and you know, my mandate, my call is to allow your body to express itself on every level. And I tell people I'm not... I'm interested, of course, in the symptoms that you bring in, but I want to see you thrive on every level. I want to see you thrive in your relationships, in your finances, in um, in your ability to do whatever it is that you do with your career or with your schooling. I want you to have a, more clear thoughts about how you look at life and have deeper uh, connections with your friends, have a better relationship with with God. You know, these are all things that are important to a human being, and, and it's on every level that the subluxation affects that. So it's holistic health. It's holistic health 100%. So my initial evaluation actually takes about an hour and a half because I go through a full physical exam, a neurological exam, a posture exam. We take x-rays to determine which way your bones have gone out of alignment. It's a lot of x-rays. I watch Roland's x-rays <laughs> being taken. It's like a folder full of x-rays. Well, it's 8 to 10 depending on what a specific yeah. angle is on the first picture that I That's take. That's impressive. Well, because we're so detail-oriented, we want to be really specific about it. We don't want to just you know, guess on what way your bones have gone out of alignment. Every single person is developed differently. And so we really take into account that specific person's anatomy. And on top of all of that stuff that I do, I spend 45 minutes figuring out what motivates you, what, how is these things affecting your life, and also what kind of trauma history do you have? And it's uh, physical trauma, chemical trauma, emotional trauma. So I really kind of figure out your whole life story in that time. And then because I know where you've been, I can understand how you're going to heal and how how you're going to move forward in the future. It's just such a neat process. Well, I was a little skeptical and having gone through this like six weeks ago or something like that, um, I found, was, before I forget, it was very interesting, at, you know, the... The x-rays were boring. Um, <laughs> I try to make people laugh. But, no, it was so funny. But, <laughs> but what I found was funny, but I did find the, you know, the interview part of it interesting. And at one point, I wish I could describe it, but that thing where you had me stand up against and you measure... Oh, the posture analysis. It's a posture analysis. So you're standing against these, um, almost like a, sort of like a screen. And it's like a transparent screen of wires. And Liz made I like put little slid little beads around on these wires to measure like where's my shoulder, where's my neck, where's my head, where's my spine, where's my right hip, my left hip. And then you you get it all set up and then you step away and you turn around and you look and you can see how crooked you mm-hmm. are. And you don't like I don't see how crooked I am. But I, thankfully Roland you're only crooked posturally. <laughs> sorry as you know. Well I work with posture and I don't notice it. Yeah, I so like, so I didn't notice that my way. shoulder was high, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my friends also um, goes to you, right? And he said, you know, I only notice it in pictures. I notice my head's off to the side. Like, <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm that cool guy. Like, hey, 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 hey. Actually, you have yeah. a alar ligament damage. Yes, so and like now he goes, wow. After I've been going to Litna, things were straight. Uh-huh. So, but I've noticed that. Like some of the other things you did during the examination was you measured my like how strong my um, I can you know squeeze my ankles together mm-hmm. how far how strong my my rotation of my feet is out and right inward, right um, how and and the evenness how equal they are yeah right and then um, and every time I go back to to Liz to get a little she doesn't she doesn't do any more adjustments she just checks to see how things are going and she always measures those things. 
and um, and my wife is watching every time to, to see what's going on because I'm asking right. her just to check this stuff out. Right. But I can't tell. Right? right. I do not have. I'm not attuned to my own body. And so she's like, wow, it's really, it's much more even now. Yeah. And she's noticed when I walk, because we do a lot of walking together, um, that I'm walking different. And I, I swing my arms better. And when more actually, She's got a passion yeah. for walking Absolutely. properly. So the fact that she's saying I'm walking better is a, is, is a testament to you. Well, it's a testament to the work, you know. And it's really neat. So the cool thing about the work that I do, it's it's very repeatable. And there's a lot of objective tests that people that don't even understand the science behind how I've engineered the correction or how the adjustment works. They see that the strings are straighter. They see that the feet are lined up. And when I do the thermoscan, they see that there's not the same pattern every single time the person comes in. And these are three things that are phenomenal education tools and um, and encouragement for the patient and their significant other that's with them on the visit to understand that they're making progress and on top of all that they feel better like symptoms are kind of like the last thing that we pay attention to to under to, to really evaluate if we're going to make a correction or not but they're the thing that the patient came in for you know so yeah. they're important um, but they don't necessarily you know make a clinical decision for me this is really neat Did- so Sorry. Oh, so like Liz did Dr. Hafer. She, <laughs> all she did was like two small little adjustments on my neck. Mm-hmm. I, and you know, I, don't, I cannot describe them. I saw the x-rays and I saw how crooked I was in the strings. I saw how crooked the x- I was in the x-rays and how like my neck was just total. I saw here's a healthy neck and here's an unhealthy neck. Guess which one's yours? 50-50 chance and I got it right. Good so, job. But... You know, in a, but what's changed for me on a personal level is now I can I do kettlebells. I like to do you know kettlebell lifting. Right. And but I could never get. I had a lot of trouble locking out um, with my left arm over, straight overhead. So it was, it was. If I I could I could tell if I mm-hmm. held both of my arms overhead and looked in the mirror, I could see that it was not like a Y. It was like a. Yeah, one of your arms just did not get straight. It all could the not way. go straight, and it could not go as high overhead. Mm-hmm. And that was your side where you had a shoulder injury. Yes, and I could also not put my arms overhead very well. I mean, it was you know, I mean, you guys can't see I'm holding them up. <laughs> they look but great now. <laughs> now I can go. I mean, my vertical, um, my ver- what are my overhead extension. Overhead extension. Thank you. Yeah. She's the more of the trainer than I am. You know. I like it. I just look pretty. So, um, but now I look prettier with my arms over my head. They look great. So it's it's pretty neat. So between walking, I also, I mean, I just feel my lower back is, um, is much better. Mm -hmm. I had had like a really sort of a tight lower back. So I can just feel like things traveling down and I feel, feel looser. Yeah. And I can turn my head so much better. Like when I'm driving the car. Oh, wow, look, I can, I wow, can see I, I don't can... have to turn my whole body anymore. <laughs> I can just turn my neck. That's exciting. So, Especially on these things. freeways out here in California. Yeah. They're scary. Well, I guess, you know, the thing that you're talking about is like the translation of gravity. I don't think we brought that up, but that's what's happening. We are under this force that we cannot get away from. Mm-hmm. And gravity plays a significant role in how gravity. our heads... I'm going to write that down. Gravity. Gravity. <laughs> G-R-A-V... I T Y okay. gravity. Yes. Gravity. It's a it's a good Big Bang quote. 
Gravity, thou art a heartless bitch. Yes. <laughs> I to say bitch or not. On you podcast. sure do. I love it. So, because gravity is something we can't get away from, we want to be able to translate it through our spines properly. And uh, I think now you are. You're effectively translating gravity. Congratulations. Amazing. Congratulations. You don't need restorative exercise. No, that's, <laughs> that's not true. true. That is that's not, not true. true. And that's one of the things. How much time? What if we. We have time. We're at 55 minutes. We're probably going to go for an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. Because one of the things I wanted to talk about, and um, don't let me ramble on too long about this, but one of the things that I'm a guys restorative exercise specialist, and uh, I'm a, a strong believer. I've over the years started to believe more and more in, in the power of these these things. I believe that most of the things that we have wrong with us in general, there obviously there are injuries, right. and suction cups, right, all sorts of things that, that screw people up. But in general, our the, the type of work that we do and don't do is what's causing these problems. Mm-hmm. Driving too much, mm-hmm. sitting, mm-hmm. reading, even talking on your phone, holding a Blackberry or yeah. iPod in front of you and touching these things just all screws up your posture. And not being active enough just screws it. We don't work anymore. We don't work to survive anymore. We sit around and do stuff that our ancestors would not consider work. Right. Right. So restorative exercise, I think, can do a, a great thing. Is a, is a great tool for this and I think it's extremely important but some people are so messed up that they need a sort of a kickstart to get to that and I yeah. think that was that was me because like, Gaia had done some restorative exercise things with me and it was very frustrating for me because it was such a huge gap, um, gap or chasm that I would have to leave yeah. to get from you know so I think you've given me sort of a kickstart excellent to, to to do some of these things. Well, and I think Galia can attest to this. Um, I met her and I, and I got to experience the work that she's done. And, you know, my passion is structural integrity and making sure that the brain and the body are connected 100%. And I could go and get, you know, training and how to give out exercises and make sure, you know, people are rehabbing their spine posturally. Um, that's important, but I'm, I'm not a pa- I don't have passion for that and that's not my expertise. So I have a phenomenal referral source and I can send people that are upper cervically corrected that have proper brain body communication to Galia. She can assess what their injuries have been and then fix them knowing that they have complete neurological integrity. And I'm sure that she can tell you and oh, yeah. I, the, the difference between the patients that aren't upper cervically corrected that see like a traditional chiropractor or maybe no chiropractor compared to the ones that she's seen that are upper cervically corrected. It's like, it's like their, um, their exercise programs are quicker. They, they respond faster. They respond faster. I, I think the, the biggest thing is, especially working with older people and people that have had stuff wrong with them their whole life. Mm-hmm. Like they've had scoliosis their whole life. Right. You get someone in their mid-50s that has had scoliosis their whole life. They have a lifetime of habits just imprinted on their brain. Right. Unless they're neurologically intact. Right. Unless Liz has corrected them, it's going to be very hard to introduce any sort of exercise that's going to change the way the brain relates yeah. to the rest of the body. We literally together as a team get people straight within a couple of months it's incredible and it looks like i'm looking at the before and after pictures and i'm going 
Holy moly, that's just it's ridiculous. Well, and it's so it's, cool it's because I didn't quick. have I didn't have a Galia to refer to for the first 3 years of my practice, and I would have people that are holding their um, adjustments and they're getting better symptomatically, but their their posture, I mean, it was changing in the sagittal plane, but it wasn't changing in a functional way. Like they weren't able to do things the way that they wanted to. They'd always have tight hamstrings or they'd always have that chronic issue with their, you know, glute medius. And it wasn't because there wasn't neurological control. It was that the injury hadn't been rehabbed or restored. And so when I was able to have somebody to refer them to within three visits, it was incredible. Also, there's patients that have been with other trainers that, um, you know, they're just getting the run of the mill kind of like, oh, I need to do this exercise with this amount of weights for this many reps. And it wasn't really doing anything for them. Within three visits, Galia had them fixed and they felt better than they ever did. And it, it, it solidified the upper cervical correction because they were more stable. It's very cool. We had a, a 17-year-old uh, guy that I worked with for a few weeks right. in the beginning of summer. And he had like 8 out of 10 pain. Right. Just because of his habit, habits of holding his upper body just his habits of holding himself. And even though he was neurologically intact, mm -hmm. his habits were still not changed. Right. So we changed his habits and we, we changed the way he sat and he stood and he walked around. And it sounds like bam, bam, we changed it. It took some work. Yeah. And he was very diligent with his homework daily. But I literally get a text that's, you know, 17-year-olds don't share much. But I'm like, <laughs> how much is your pain on a level of 1 to 10? And he's like, 1 right. instead of 7. So Yeah, and this kid who, like, really didn't have a lot to say would come in, like, thanking me for getting Gali on board. And his whole life is changing. And his mother's excited. And mm. it's just so neat to see... Um, the world of restorative exercise and um, holistic coaching meet chiropractic. And I just want to point out that this is an active kid, too. Yeah. He's not like, no, he's, he's not sedentary. He's not a couch potato, he was playing tennis kid. Yeah. He's like, three hours a day, yeah. right. football yeah. in the afternoon. Right. So he's like, he plays sports, he's active, and he's in rep. I mean, he's not overweight. He's in, he's in good shape. Yeah, he's right. like a really But he had these postural problems right. that were either caused by something or causing things yeah. that were... He had a fall years ago. Okay. Yeah. It started all. Yeah. So, you know, you're like a... It's a vicious circle. Like, if you can't get out of it, you need mm -hmm. something to get you out That's of it. That's exactly right. And, you know, traditional chiropractic can be a temporary fix where you'll hear the people say, like, you were... You kind of asked earlier, why do chiro why do people have to go back to the chiropractor all the time? Well, in to me, like, I'm never going to tell you it's not a you know one-time thing. I'm going to always want to see you for the rest of your life to make sure that you're holding the correction that I gave, to make sure that you're exhibiting neurological integrity. doesn't mean I have to give you an adjustment every time you come in. My job is to assess that your nervous system's work, working 100%. And I will... Sorry. No, I was just going to say I will make sure that that's happening on every visit. Um, but other chiropractors, the way that they practice, they find things to adjust every single time because they're not getting to the root cause, which is the irritation at the brainstem. Once the brainstem doesn't have neurological interference, other things can get fixed from that on its own. Um, so I'm not going to like lay you on your side and crack your low back every time you come in because your right hip hurts. I'm going to fix your atlas and then your body's going to put your hip into a better place because you're translating gravity better. Very cool. I, I kind of relate what you were saying, and I, I got this idea, so I'm sorry I interrupted That's you. That's okay. That it's very much like going to the dentist for your yearly checkup. Mm. And yeah, maybe we'll clean your teeth, but that doesn't mean that we're going to do a filling. Right. Or, you know, we're going to do a crown yeah. or a root canal. Yeah. If we find something, we'll work on it. But I want to make sure I see you once a year to be able to do prevention. Absolutely. Because and if I don't see you to clean your teeth... 
then I can't expect to find things when they're still fixable. Absolutely. And it's funny because chiropractors use that analogy a lot. Not like the upper cervical docs, but, you know, regular chiropractors that want to see you three times a week, they'll say, you get your your teeth checked from the dentist, right? And you brush your teeth every day because you want to maintain your teeth health, right? Well, yeah. Okay, so you need to get in here and get an adjustment. Well, that's fantastic. And I'm never going to say going to the chiropractor is a bad idea, but I don't think you need to be getting adjusted. Every single time you go in, I think you need to have a really specific correction done. Mm-hmm. Let your body heal and um, and you know work through some of the old injuries, and then do good health, you know, good eating habits, good moving habits, making sure that you're you know having cor- correction um, exercise in part of your daily regimen to make sure that you're not going to be re-injuring old things. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like it's a lifestyle. It's eat well, think well, move well. So it kind of goes along with this podcast that you do, Eat Well, Move Well, right? Mm Yeah, it's pretty cool. Live well too, so it's kind of cool. So we always, almost as we start to do it, we always have to like do it as a separate separate take because we get the name wrong. Right? Live well. Well, No, no, no. I think we'll move well. (laughs) But we live well too. We do. We live live well. well. You couldn't live well if you don't eat well and move well. That's right. (laughs) Well, I like your philosophy a lot, and I like uh, obviously like yours because you have no choice. I'm your wife. (laughs) You're biased. But for a couple reasons, you talk about gravity, Uh and her whole thing is about gravity as well. It's Uh like you. In order to, you know, in order to be in proper alignment, or if, yes, you have to translate gravity right. So, like, gravity points down, right? Right. And <laughs> if you are off kilter, I mean, gravity's still pointing. You know, so it's gonna it's gonna crush one part of you. Absolutely. And the other so you're gonna be crooked. So you have to be in good alignment, one way or another. Correct. For gravity not to have detrimental effects. That's you, exactly right. right. Um, the other thing is, though, like. Uh, the reason I like the philosophy, both of your philosophies, is it goes back to mine. Mine's mostly food related, right? And but I always look at things like, well, how are things supposed to be? Like way back when, and right. if I can't trace, like obviously there are accidents, there are suction cups, <laughs> you know, whiplash, whiplash, and- right? Yeah. There are bad training programs that cause Absolutely. people. Absolutely, you know, there's you there's know, bungee jumping. I just did it once. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you that. Oh no, no I left that out. Of I gotta my write that down. Darn it! Jumps. Two jumps. Actually, I already knew. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you could tell no. by my X-ray. <laughs> yeah. And um, but I, you know, I know that there in our modern world, we need. There are things that we need to do. There are artificial things that we need to do. To fix ourselves, to get ourselves back into na- into the way nature or God intended us, mm-hmm. and whether that's what you do or what God does or what I do, and help people eat the right way. Because if you can't, I mean, I'm not saying that everyone needs to eat, you know, perfect only foods that exist in nature, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to trace what are the, what are the bad foods doing right. before you can correct them. So you see, like, what are the way you're supposed to be and how can I get things back in line? Yeah, and that's the and- coolest part about Blair is because it's based on that specific person's anatomy. And in the world of chiropractic, Blair is the only articular study that really, um, that really addresses um, um, non-symmetry or asymmetry. So... There's no like, oh, well, we're going to get your head balanced straight over your neck. No, it's like, well, what if your head is supposed to tilt off a little bit to the left because that's the way that your bone is formed, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all 
it's all based on what your body presents with. Like there's limitations to matter and there's, you can't make, you know, a 60 degree angle turn into a 30 degree angle if you will it. It's just, that's what it is. So we do our analysis based on that person's spine and based on their anatomy. And it's really quite amazing. That's very neat. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, to ask you, because in the personal training world, I often have people, how do I know that my personal trainer is good? Mm-hmm. And I say, well, if you go to the gym and he makes you go on all the machines and he makes you do leg extensions and bicep curls and tricep extensions and shoulder raises and some crunches on the floor while holding your legs, he probably sucks. Right. So you should probably go to a trainer who spends the first time he sees you and maybe even the second doing a thorough assessment. Mm-hmm. And here is a list of trainers or a resource that I can refer to that you can find a trainer in your area that has had this specific training and maybe that's a better chance to find a good one. Absolutely. So when I first came to the U.S., uh, I had um, some low back issues um, and uh, I was going to a chiropractor who kept insisting that it's my psoas. And every time I would go, he would work on my psoas. Well, I intuitively know you shouldn't be touching my psoas then through my work with what i know about the psoas and the type of muscle that it is that confirmed that that's probably not a good approach Mm. so i tried to talk to him about is there some other way we can approach it and he wasn't very open so for me because i know what i know about the body Mm -hmm. seven or eight visits showed like a, a, you know, a few hundred dollars later, it showed that he wasn't helping me and he wasn't open to looking for another solution. So I said, okay, very nice guy. Yeah. But he's not helping me. So right. I'm going to stop going. Right. But if I didn't know what I knew, I would just keep going. Right. And keep poking my so ass and it, we wouldn't go anywhere. Because it seemed right. like it helped for the day. It helped couple, for the day. And then the next day it was yeah. equal or worse. So you want to know what is a what is something to look for to make sure you have the right kind of chiropractor. Yes. Okay. Well, obviously somebody that, like you said, does a thorough analysis on your first visit. I would probably steer away from chiropractors that, you know... For $25, you can get a full neurological exam, all the x-rays you need, and an adjustment and a massage. Um, they're probably not going to do the kind of assessment you need. You can't even get a good massage. Yeah, it would cost them money, you know, for $25. So um, you want to find somebody who's going to take time to do a proper analysis of your spine and take into account where you've been, what you've been through. Listen, you know, you don't want a doctor who's looking at their clock or like half paying attention to you. You want to make sure that you 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 have their attention that they really like understand where you're coming from mm-hmm. because if you're not being heard on the first visit, you're not going to be heard any other time, right? Should you expect to get an adjustment in your first visit? No, absolutely not, especially with the work that I do. Okay. I need time to analyze all of the information. It's like little puzzle pieces and I have to put together this mosaic mm-hmm. and make it work for that person and it takes you know, time to study the x-rays, take into account the different injuries that they've had or whatever their history is, um, and really kind of dial in a correction. So we generally do not, I mean, under extreme circumstances, I'll have somebody like, let's say they flew in from China. Um, we, we have them come in. President of China. (laughs) Not quite, but someday. Do they have presidents in China? They have a king. Oh, okay. No, they have have an have a. Dick- in China? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a communist country. Yeah. So, so. They, they have a... It's probably the chairman. Here, we just lost all of our geography. <laughs> oh, dear God. Help us. Politics and uh, all now these fans we from China. Let's go back. Let's go back to the just the regular old lady who flies from China. <laughs> she comes in and I do a full analysis on her. I'll have her go away for like 
you know, the afternoon and come back in the evening after I've had time to sort of digest what it is that I had the encounter and get everything analyzed. So very rarely do we even do that on the first day. I always like to have at least one day to kind of analyze everything um, and let them kind of think about the information that they've been given because during the process they're being educated most likely on something that they've never heard before and uh, they have to process it as much as I do because it's completely different from anything that they've experienced in the past. Very neat. So... Your personal testimony and your practice as a doctor are, are very impressive, mm-hmm. and I know because I'm, I'm I get to see you and, and talk to you, right? That you are working on a book to share all of this. That's right. Can you give us a little bit of inside information? Yeah, um, it's it's a new project. My best girlfriend Jackie Newhouse and I are uh, going to be writing a book on um, the power of friendship, the power of um, standing up for you know, convictions and what you believe and the power of upper cervical chiropractic, chiropractic and healing depression. Um, and mental health is a passion that I have. Obviously I suffered with mental health issues most of my life. And so I know firsthand the devastating effects that can occur when, you know, what we've been given and what we've been told can help doesn't. And I was able to find an answer, thank God. And so we're going to just tell our story and, and encourage people to think outside the box and realize that there's other things besides, you know, medication and um, different kind of treatments that the Western allopathic medical model would offer to help people with this thing that, you know, affects millions of people. It's horrible uh, how many people suffer with depression and just with the the lower quality of lives mm-hmm. that we have. Mm-hmm. And people need a lot of hope. Yeah. Because switching from one medication to another isn't hope. Right. It's just a, another crutch. Right. And um, if there is something, that's like we often have this conversation about nutrition. It's like really your migraines could get better if you maybe change your food a little bit. Absolutely. You probably don't need all these pills you're on. And maybe nutrition won't help. But it's worth a try. Absolutely. And then when there's all these non-invasive, kind of God-given things that we have, why not use them before, you know, we take a tank to a knife fight? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So... I'm excited that you're writing the book. I know. It's kind of exciting. I mean, I've had it in my heart for a while, and Jackie and I just decided, like, we have to do this. Like, there's so many people needlessly suffering. People are dying because they don't have information that maybe if they had the information they would have made a different choice so we're going to put it out there and uh, look for it in 2013 um, it's like I said it's just kind of um, underway but we're going to have you again here yeah. talking about the book when it's ready so right that on. people know uh, how and where to pick it up and what right it's on. called and excellent uh, maybe come to your book signing yeah can't wait before I forget how can people uh, find out more about you like let's say they want to know more about Blair chiropractor okay or, maybe they want to fly in from China, they, China you know what China. if they came to China I would set them up in a really nice hotel they would pay for it but I'd make sure they get a nice hotel <laughs> the, <residence> <laughs> <laughs> the air sweet and Rancho Santa Margarita it's beautiful <laughs> I, I put my mother-in-law there so you know it's nice, That's nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> we always wonder who's at that hotel right. Michelle Hafer <laughs> Um, I love you. Um, yeah, so you can go to my website, Dr. It's www.drhoefer.com. So my name sounds like 
H-A-Y, but it's H-O-E. We're going to put it in the show notes. So you're yeah, so um, drhafer.com. Um, and also, if you're not in you know the local vicinity of Rancho Santa Margarita um, and you want to find a Blair doctor in your area, thankfully we have phenomenal Blair doctors um, sprinkled throughout the country. Believe it or not, there's only like 100 of us in the entire world. So we've got a lot of people to serve, but we definitely um, have the capacity to do it. And so all you have to do is go to uh, com, and you can search a doctor and you can look at different states for doctors, and um, I pretty much know every single person listed on that website. <laughs> so if you have questions... And I can give you the lowdown, and they're all great. I don't have a problem <laughs> with any of them. So they're fantastic. And the neat thing is we get together at least once a year and have our National Blair Conference. Um, and on top of that, um, you know, we have a, a Facebook page where we're always comparing notes and kind of slipping and checking each other to make sure that we're always doing the best work possible for the patients that we take care of because this work is it's a phenomenal thing and the truth be told um, when people really get the power behind what it is that we do we're going to have to raise up a generation of Blair doctors to handle it because we won't be able to but at this point we still have capacity and we just want to take care of people and we want people to know that there is an answer and if if the work that you've been having done to you, even if it's general chiropractic, if it's not helping, there's a different way. Seek out something different. Mm-hmm. You don't have to stick with the chiropractor because he's a nice guy. I, you know, there's a lot of nice chiropractors that I know that um, that aren't helping their patients. So, find a doctor that works for you that gets to the bottom of the issue and actually gets results. I, I love that about you because I'm the same way with people that come to me and they say, "But I like my trainer Bob." Right. And I'm like, I, "That's okay. I'm sure he's a great guy. Take him out to dinner right. with you." Right. Exactly. When it comes down to your health and yeah. your results, yeah. get someone who works for you. And sometimes maybe you won't like the person that much, but if they give you results, amen, I'm all for it. Amen, I like that. So, yeah, definitely get results. And so you don't have to you don't have to settle just because you happen to be friends with that person. So, um, absolutely, check out BlairChiropractic.com, DrHafer.com, um, and uh, it's good. So, if you have any other questions, well, I have a ton of questions. <laughs> I, get to, I get to ask you over dinner after we're done. I with can't this, wait. Hopefully, the trout. Um, the trout. The trout. <laughs> we're gonna and, have and a cherim- Are you had cherimoya? No, but I'm excited to try it. It's exotic tropical fruit cherimoya. Um, it's in season right now. In season, it, it's, and it's extremely hard to find a good one. It's very hard, but when you find a good one, you gotta eat it. It's like two pounds. It's huge. It's as big as a yeah. trout. Yeah, I think what's it, I think there's a picture. We'll post, post a picture. And um, it looks kind of like an alien fruit, like it landed from Mars. But the, yeah. the cool thing about cherry moyas is that they, they kind of look ugly on the outside, but when you open it, it's it's got a beautiful white flesh you can scoop right. out. It's custard. Kind of like, it's like vanilla custard. It's yeah. amazing. Can't wait. Um, they don't last very well in transport. So unless you're in an area where they grow there, you're probably never going to be able to buy one. And what? Socks is like if you could find a, like a good deal on them. Like we found some in a Mexican market once. We bought three of them, and they all went ripe on exactly the same day. And they once they're ripe, you eat it that day or it's done. And yeah, then the next day it's away. disgusting. Huh. So there's like no way to delay it. So you gotta eat like mini pounds. See, no, you have to invite all of your friends over to yeah. share it. So I got this one today. My Excellent. Friend, my friend Greg gave me this one, and he goes, uh, he had three of them: one for me, one for Kathy, and one for Dwayne. And he goes, well, who's gonna eat it tonight? And I go, what? 
I'll eat it tonight. And he goes, okay, this is the one that's ripe tonight. Just <laughs> do not wait till tomorrow. That's okay. awesome. Yeah. The rest of them have to wait till like next week. So Roland brought it home in a Ziploc bag, put it on the counter, and apparently said, don't open the Ziploc bag. There's ants in there. Which I did not hear because I didn't listen to <laughs> So I opened this bag and I put the cherry moy on the counter and I'm looking at it. And there's, I'm like, what is this? Oh, I there's ants and everywhere. And I see the Ziploc bag in the trash. I'm like, is this the Ziploc bag from the cherry moy? Did you not hear me saying that? <laughs> Maybe Gali is subluxated and she didn't hear clear. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I still have not had my Blair experience because right. I was traveling. Yeah, she left I, for six weeks. And I always find an excuse to not go, oh, I have uh, an exam coming up. Oh, I have competition coming up, S- which means I really need it. Mm-hmm. So when you find excuses not to do stuff, and remember this, it's usually something you really need to do. So I'm, I'm probably going to try to get in there in the next couple of weeks, and I'll let you know how my adjustment goes. So that's Very it good. for today, huh? What, what kind of time do we got it's there? It's one hour and 20 minutes. We have the nicest, nice. most Excellent. patient listeners yeah. Thank you so much for hanging in there with me, guys. And I appreciate Gali and Roland for letting me come and share my story, explain the Blair work to the best of my ability in my four years of practice. And, um, you know, I just look forward to helping whoever it is that needs help. And if you have any questions, you can call me. The office number is on the website. I will talk to you. This is awesome. so cool. Thank you so much for, you for being our first guest. I know. Thank you for coming what on. What a pleasure. It was Thanks. a lot of fun. And um, we're going to go eat in a minute. So if anybody has any questions or comments, we'd love to hear them on our Facebook page, on the comments on the blog. You can email us. And um, you can write a review on iTunes. That would be great. We'd love to get your feedback on that. And just let us know what you think. If you have questions, things you want us to uh, answer in upcoming podcasts, um, send them our way. You know how to reach us. And, of course, I think I forgot to say this the last couple of times, because if you found us through iTunes, you might not know how to get in touch with us. We Our website is thefitink.com, T-H-E-F-I-T-I-N-K. Dot com And you can find me and Galia. we both right there. And uh, all of our information is right there. Two more cool things. What? That we forgot. Our book, Man on Top, is on Amazon. Ready oh, yes. for sale as we speak. Yes. So it, it just got approved today. We got done with all the changes and editing and a few weeks of crazy editing. It's, so it's, it's on. It's ready to go. It's ready. It's ready to go. You can buy it. You can have it tomorrow if you wanted to you're going to have a link to that post a link in the show notes and uh, you're going to have that and also if you like us and if you want to support us um a really cool way to uh, help us out is to do your shopping through um the amazon link on our website if you want to buy something from amazon just go to amazon through our website using the search amazon um bar that's on the right side and you're going to go to your regular shopping on amazon and they're going to give us a little percentage of what you would normally spend um just because we like them that will help support our the, the cost of the website the downloads the podcast and all that and hopefully stuff, we so. can um you know keep going yeah we can keep going and we can start editing this thing yep Yep. Very good. Thank you, guys. Thank you and, for listening. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too long, but we had a lot of good information to share. And uh, we will be back uh, back soon with another. Yep. Bye. Bye, everybody.